This is a Broad Pods production. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is a Broad Pods production. This is Broad Radio. For you, by you. Broad Radio. Here for more. Hello and welcome to Broad Radio On The Go. I'm Jo Stanley. It is so lovely to have you with us. Check out all of our other episodes. They're awesome. Give us a rating. Share it with a friend. We love them so much. In this episode, my co-host is Serpil Chanelmush, and our guest is an illustrator who has worked with the world's greatest designers and most famous women. But equally as important, she's put storybooks into over half a million little hands worldwide. It's Megan Hess. Hello. Hi. Morning. Hello. <laughs> uh, Megan, it is so lovely to chat with you because I do have quite a few Clarice the chicest little mouse in Paris books. Oh, thank you. On my, well I wouldn't <laughs> say on my shelf anymore because my daughter's 13 but we've put them in the in the roof for later. Yes. Um, <laughs> and on this International Day of the Girl you must have millions of girl fans. Uh, do you connect with them? Do they reach out to you? Yeah I do. I mean I, I think I started more in sort of fashion books that were technically aimed at adults although I realized not far into that um into my career making books that they actually I actually had lots of teenage girls and even really little girls sort of reading the fashion books as well so that was something that I thought oh they're for adults but I guess when they're illustrated um and there's really nothing inappropriate in any of my books it they're okay for little girls too but then when I started working on the Clarice books that's when I started to meet really little girls and I think I mean, like anyone who's ever written any book or drawn any book, you're always shocked and blown away by anyone who's read it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you are. You always sort of, because I think a lot of authors work quite, you know, you're in your own little world and you, you you know the purpose is for someone else to read it. But then when you actually are somewhere out in the world, whether it's a book signing or someone comes up to you and they enjoyed the book in some way, it's it's a huge deal. And it's especially when it's a little girl. I think there's something about... Um, with Clara's books when it's a little girl who's read it and is all you know full of gusto and excited to do something with her life and in the world I feel very proud what sorts of things would they say to you these little ones 
Oh, I think that's the, I, I, you know, I always say the funniest thing is what, because adults are always very, um, you know, they, they compose their words in a certain way and they, they've thought about it, but kids just say exactly what they're thinking and you get all sorts of feedback. I mean, I've had some, <laughs> some harsh criticism as well about that I've never drawn a bathroom for Clarice. Where does she go to the bathroom? I've had kids, you know, like hauling me up at a book signing about certain things. But the cutest is when they kind of come really close and they're little hot breath is going into my ear and they're telling me what they want to do when they're older or what their hopes and dreams are. And, you know, as a shy little kid that I was, I know that that's one of those things you only trust so many people with and you're certainly not going to tell anybody else. And so, yeah, those little moments where they whisper that they want to do something amazing, be a pilot or have their own um, donut company or whatever it is. <laughs> It really, yeah, it's cute. And I just think that's great that you've even sort of thought about that or you're excited totally. about that. I think that's amazing yeah. that little ones are even thinking about what they're going to be. And that's a really precious thing that you're imparting to them. Yeah. And yeah, it's funny too, because Clarice, as you know, because you, you had the books when your daughter was younger, you know, she does a lot of it in these giant couture dresses. And oh, it's spectacular. The funny, yeah, but the funniest is the little girls who come to the book signings who are in these who are in a giant kind of dress in some way because they feel like this is the right thing for for a Clara signing, and they kind of get up to the counter and then they've got their arm on it and then they sort of almost hit me up with their um, world domination idea and I think that's the whole thing with Clarice. <laughs> you can do it all in a great dress, <laughs> but they're definitely not passive. They're very like you know entrepreneurial and um, and have a great spirit to it. So I think that's. That's the most exciting thing that's come out of seeing, meeting little kids, especially girls. I love that description of Clarice in her dress, Megan. But you've, got a, <laughs> you've, you've got a very distinctive illustration style. How did you find that, that unique voice? Uh, did you have, you know, mentors? Did you have inspirations? Did, you know, was there someone that inspired you or something that inspired you? Uh, often, you know, writers are told to find their voice. How did you find your illustration voice? Uh, I think I think it was just, and so many different creative people say this, but I think it was the only thing I was good at. And so mm. I think when, when I was little, it was the one thing that, um, you know, I would draw my classmates and even though they were terrible drawings, I think in some weird way they did kind of look a bit like them. So there was something there and I just loved it. As a kid, I was quite, you know, I was quiet, I was pretty shy, a little bit introverted. I'm still pretty introverted. But I, but I found drawing really both um, relaxing, it was an escapism, it was something that I just enjoyed. And I think... I honestly think anything that you do enough of or that you love, you get good at. I have this theory and not everyone agrees with me on this, but I think if you are really excited to learn an instrument, even if you're not musical, and you you just continuously are learning it or practicing it because you just enjoy it, I think you will get good at it. So I think for me, it was just something that I literally um, just always did and in terms of finding my style I think and I say this to a lot of students when I meet them because that that's the question they always ask me how did they find their style and I always say if you just keep drawing your style finds you so you eventually get to a place where the characters I draw just become second nature and the line work is second nature it builds just it just kind of it evolves over time I think that's so true about writing for myself you just got to keep writing and eventually you fall into your voice if you do it enough i'd really think too there's a value in doing something for the process for your mental health do you find that 
And I think it's sort of lost a bit sometimes these days. Yeah, no, completely. That was one of the um, light bulb moments I had, I don't know how, how many years ago, was that I realised, and I don't remember what made me realise this, but I just realised that the actual um, process of doing things was the big finale not the actual finale <laughs> and I think and I found because I found myself waiting for the next thing all the time you know I can't wait till that happens and in the future I'll do that and then this will come and then this and then you know even everything you know till next week that's gonna you know and I think at some point I realized that thinking like that means that you are never actually there you are always waiting to get to that place and I don't just mean that in a career sense I just mean that in um, in every sense, just actually enjoying the present and the moment. And, and that was a big change for me. And it just means that, you know, I'm not waiting to finish a book when I'm working on it for that relief that it's all done and then it's there on the shelf. It's more just really enjoying the day-to-day -day of rewriting, re-illustrating and enjoying the process. So true. The process. Yeah. <laughs> we all we all wish things away to get to the end, and then you get to the end, yeah. you're like, "Oh, is this it?" Yeah, <laughs> it it's right. it's the journey that's the joy, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, it is that, and, it, and and it's one of those things, and we kind of all know it. But I think it's one of those things that you have to some not everyone, but for myself, I have to remind myself continuously that this is actually this is the best bit. Just just working away on something. Um, just the, just the just being present in that. Now I sound all spiritual. Too early no, no, in the that's my favourite thing. I'm I'm mad for spiritual. I mean, so let's yeah. talk to the the books that you've created and this particular one, Audrey, which uh, is a delight because we love Audrey Hepburn, of course. I mean, mm -hmm. the book itself is beautiful, the illustrations. But thank you. I've learned a lot about Audrey. I wasn't sort of aware of her early years as a child and teen in during world world war ii and that time it that was really yeah. illuminating for me yeah well me too and i i've i always say that audrey hepburn was the first i think she was the first person that really uh made me tune into fashion like as a kid i think i never even thought about what i was even wearing until i saw breakfast at tiffany's and it was the first time i was really intrigued about what is she wearing what is this um what is this dress and i think that started my love of fashion and then I've loved all her films and, and, and someone who works in fashion, her connection to that. But it wasn't until I actually really started working on the book and, and researching it that I didn't really know a lot about her childhood. And actually, I knew that she'd vaguely done something for UNICEF at the end of her life, but I didn't really know a lot about that either. And when I really researched her life and I discovered how full circle it was and how difficult her childhood actually was and you know the fact that she did have to hide she was in the war she was completely malnourished she you know they had to literally wait for food samples and you know very sparing amounts of food from unicef when she was a little girl and i thought you know because we all just know her as this chic iconic hollywood star and so it was interesting and the fact that she spent all of her what i call her third act um as an ambassador for unicef she was kind of a really heavyweight humanitarian which a lot of people know but a lot of people don't know and you know i feel like at that end of her life too she was really wealthy she won all the oscars she could have just had a really easy kind of end and 
she really was one of the first kind of celebrities who used her uh, fame, I guess, to actually draw awareness to something. And because she'd suffered that as a little girl, I think it was, she's just a, she's a really amazing person. I, I say you can't, I could not find a bad picture of her mm. or anything bad said about her. Not that I would have included it. No. <laughs> she really was, you know, one of those people that you think, God, what a life. Yeah. Incredible. Megan, speaking of, um, you know, what to include and what not to include, I, I love that you gave us a really different perspective of Audrey because, you know, I've always loved the black Thank dresses you. and the big glasses, but, you know, finding out yeah. about her experience in Nazi-occupied Holland was just sort of, you know, put hairs in the back of my, you know, um, and yeah. it was, it was humanising her. But is there a le certain level of, I guess, tension or pressure put on an artist such as yourself when you're actually bringing to life an icon like Audrey Hepburn? Yeah, it was. And it's funny because in many ways, when I first started working on fashion books, she's probably the topic that's always been in my mind. But then at the same time, I've always thought, oh, but she's so, um, everyone loves her and everyone has their idea of how she looks and, and, um, you know, it's polarizing her favorite film between different people. She's one of those people that I was almost scared to do it. And also because I've always really admired her and found her really inspiring. There's something about that that almost puts you off <laughs> doing something on someone like that. Um, but I felt like when I got to the stage after I'd done two other biographies, which was Coco Chanel and Christian Dior, and I thought, you know, I've, I've sidestepped Audrey. It's time to do it. <laughs> and look, and if people... And I, and I took it on the approach too, because when you work on biographies of people, even with Coco Chanel and, and Christian Dior, you do get, you know, lots of people have varying opinions on it and they, they you know, what is her best film or what, what was their best moment in fashion. So I knew that with Audrey, it would be heightened in that sense. And I just had to approach it from when I was five years old and I first saw her in Breakfast at Tiffany's, what did I fall in love with? And what are the things that I've discovered about her story that really resonate with me? Because I think that will resonate with other people too. And even people who have, you know, Audrey diehards that have all the Audrey Hepburn books, what could be different about this? Because obviously her life is her life. You can't make up anything new and sneak it in. Um, but yeah, and just getting her likeness. I mean, it, like at this, I don't know, I'm not sure which book this is in, in I, I don't know how, I think there's about 10 or 12 books before this book that I had done. And the covers always came together quite easily, but this cover was the hardest cover because every cover that I would draw, everyone felt when we sort of put it out to my publisher and the covers team, everyone felt like, no, I don't see her. I see her with the short hair for the cover, or I see her with when she was this look or that look. So it was it was trickier to draw her than I was than I expected, mm. but I, I enjoyed it all the same. Oh, look, she you you've really captured her, and I really love to your um, nod to fashion, and how important fashion is for many of us. Like I think that fashion is the sort of thing that can easily be <clears throat> shrugged off, and oh, it's all very frivolous. And but actually, you know, right from when I was a girl watching Sex, uh, sorry, um, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. And then when I was in New York and I was at Tiffany's and it just that that really felt very momentous to me because it represented my history and my family and sitting watching that thing, that movie with my mum and my nana. Yeah. 
And then yeah. I know that you illustrated Sex and the City and, and what fashion came from that. Like fashion means a lot to people. It means a lot to me. I'm moved by it. Yeah. 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 And I think I always look at it like it, it always marks a moment in time as well. Um, you know, you look back at fashion moments can completely make you look at an old photo and go, no, I can't believe I wore that. Or, you know, you look back through <laughs> the era. No, no, never. It, never it, a mishit for me. <laughs> <laughs> Midriff tops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stonewash. Whatever it is that makes you, makes your skin crawl. And yet you look at like, you know, I look at my daughter who's 16 who looks at stonewash and thinks, what's the problem? You know, like what, what happened? It, it affects you in different ways and I've always looked at fashion as um, as something to just enjoy and and you know occasionally in, in fashion can be um, you know overly serious to certain people and it can it can be stressful to some people I always think that it's something just to be completely enjoyed and I think because I've always been more of an observer and someone who's sketching fashion shows and then creating the books as opposed to I've never felt any pressure to kind of follow trends or, and I don't think anyone should. I think fashion should be something that you just completely enjoy, even if that means you're not really into it. Even if that means that your fashion is that you're just comfortable. <laughs> That's yeah, enjoying that. it. Yeah, but I, but I, I, I think it should. I was going to say, but I feel like we all have a fashion spectrum, right? So like uh, you, you did the illustrations for Sex and the City. I, the thing that stands out for me from Sex and the City was the Manalo Blahniks. I, I think there's no way would I be able to walk in a straight line in those. Yes. I'm, you know, I'm more of a flats, breakfast oh, Tiffany's, too. you know, Audrey Hepburn type yeah. of girl. So what, what's your spectrum? Because I feel like we all sit in a fashion spectrum. Where do you sit in? I... Yeah, my, well, and you know, it's evolved over time. I, I admit in, you know, probably when I was in my 20s, I wore a lot of uncomfortable things and shoes that were uncomfortable because I liked the look of it. And I think you get to a place, I think the best place you can get to is finding a style or clothes that you feel really good in and that you are actually comfortable. And so for me, it, you know, I can't wear a certain heel above a height anymore. I just refuse to do it <laughs> because it ruins a night. If you, you know, if you go to um, something and, 10 minutes in your feet hurt it actually ruins the experience of wherever you are so i think it's finding things that you feel good in you feel like i this this feels like me but i'm also kind of comfortable so if i if i were to go to a, a daytime someone's barbecue i would wear a sandal that's completely flat and maybe a floaty dress that i feel great in but it's completely comfortable there's nothing i hate tight and i hate anything too high <laughs> but that's just me yeah no no but i, I understand this yes tight no, no, there's tight no place for tight anymore. There's no place for tight. <laughs> I am. Anything that involves uncomfortable underwear is is out. Yeah, and, and I refuse so to hold my breath and hold my stomach in anymore. Absolutely <laughs> no, no. Thank you. <laughs> I've thank lived you. a life, and I'm not doing that that's now. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but oh. that's one of the again going back to Audrey and just to wrap it up around this beautiful book that she really inspired me in what you read that she she. Just said, no, I don't care what the fashion is. I am going to wear the flat shoes and I'm going to dress the way I wish to dress. I don't care what everyone else is doing. And I, again, amazing at that time. Yeah, and I, yeah, that is the thing that I think is mind-blowing. And it's hard sometimes when I, you know, when, I, when I talk to younger girls today about what was so great about Audrey Hepburn, it's hard to picture. But when you picture that, she came around in in an era where Marilyn Monroe, um, you know, Sophia Loren, everything was about, you know, having a tiny waist and really, um, 
voluptuous curves and she didn't have any of that and and the fact that she changed that to being kept her boyish figure refused to do shoulder pads or pad out her bra and cut her hair short even that at that time was a really big deal and she just kind of created this look and was confident in it and everybody saw it and went yeah that's actually <laughs> she looks great yeah which was really difficult at that time i think it, to go back and look at all the women and even when you look at you know the, the films of that time who was considered attractive she really was completely different and i think she just had a confidence with it and she just and it's still today if you look at any picture of her today you still think god that looks great she still yeah. looks amazing absolutely yep. love it do go and get the book it's absolutely beautiful thanks so much megan for joining us on the show today. oh thanks for having I me i love your work i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com people today millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.